I've been working with this now for about a half an hour. And I can't figure out. Let's say I want mm -hmm. a bite, right? You got this. You'd like bigger bread? Exactly. I yeah. don't understand how. You could it's fold like a... this then. I mean, you well, no, it. then it's half the size. No, not that... the bread. You can fold the meat. Yeah, but then it, then it breaks up, it breaks no, no, apart no, no, no. like you this. You put it on the bread like this, see? But then if then you keep it's... folding it, it keeps breaking. Well, why would you keep and folding then it? everything has to be folded. And then it's this. And I don't want this. I want large bread so that I can put this right so then it's like this yeah. but this doesn't work because then it's all because it hangs out like <laughs> look yeah would you be holding no this? I wouldn't want to eat I wouldn't want to put no. it in my mouth all right hey exhibit, no, right. exhibit a right. and then we move right. on to this look look who's in here no one and then in here there's a little guy look yeah so it's, it's a complete catastrophe no you're right Nigel Nigel but I mean calm I don't calm look no it's not a big deal I'm look, sorry, it's a joke you know, it's really it's, it's, it's a, just it's just some crack at university you know <laughs> yeah, I mean right, I it's really it's all I don't want it to affect your performance it's not right. going to affect my all right. performance don't That's worry about it all right okay. just hate it really yeah, it does so disturb me but I rise above it I'm a professional right Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Gabe? I don't know. I don't know if the new shirt is a, a hit. I, I sold some merch before the show, which is not something I usually do. Um, but I did this time cause you weren't coming. So, uh, but people will come up and they go, uh, yeah, is that the new special shirt? <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, here it is right there. And they'd go, yeah. And then they'd turn around and walk away. There was a long line. I heard it seemed like a lot of people were, I heard there's a long line for merch. Do you think people just showed up and then left? Uh, th th there were some people at the beginning that were just kind of like, that's the special shirt. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I don't think I need this one. Wait, hold on. Is there anything on the back of it? No. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely good. I want one of those. See you shirts. later. I, I, they were probably expecting something else, you know. Well, yeah, they were expecting a good shirt that they liked. <laughs> we like it. We were excited about it. And well, I'm not buying it. <laughs> you're not buying it, or you're not buying it. But yeah, I thought it was a good shirt. They were not impressed. It, you know what? It reminded me of the. It reminded me of the. Uh, the response to the thirty-something shirts, the twenty-nothing shirts that we used to yeah. have. Like they were like, mm "Hmm, I get it. It's clever. Not for me." Yeah, but that was thirty years ago. Almost. It's true. What are you saying? What does that mean? That 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 now people would be into that shirt. He's saying that I should have learned a lesson. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying thirty years later. Not to put out boring shirts. People don't uh, uh, appreciate the shirts when we make them. They appreciate them when they sell out. Like the Gabe shirt. Everybody asks me, why don't you redo the Gabe shirt? I'm like, they didn't buy it when we had it the first time. Why would I want to go through that again? Well, 
Because you like that. Not to bring up a band that nobody likes to talk about, Weezer. I mean, they put out that Pinkerton album. Nobody bought it. Sunk their career. And then five years later, everyone acknowledged it as a masterpiece. And that's all they wanted to hear. So it's time for the Gabe shirt to return. <laughs> I don't know about that. So the Gabe shirt is the Pinkerton of local eight yeah. shirts? <laughs> exactly. No, it was a clever shirt. It just didn't sell. It didn't go over to the masses, but it was clever. What's the phrase? Clever by half. It was too clever by half. Isn't that a, a phrase? The ga- too clever sure by does. half. The Gabe Rodriguez story. I believe that's coming. It sure to is. A, Look it up. Way, to a mini series. I'm movie. getting the leftover shirts. Ryan shipped them to me. I'll put them online. We'll sell them. And then in a couple of years, when they're all sold out, before then, I hope people say, "What happened to that shirt? Why don't you redo that shirt?" I'm like, "Okay, maybe." Like the so-so shirt. Why don't you redo that? I'm like from your lips. Yeah. From your lips to God's. <laughs> Either way, it's going to be a sleep a sleeper hit. If you wear the shirt yourself on stage and take a picture of it, me yes, as if I'm in Metallica. Me wear the shirt on stage. You wore a local age shirt on the last tour, the Here Comes a Zoot tour. Underneath, and then you. No, it's different. No. There's something different about that. No, what's different? Because I'm wearing shorts, so I was breaking all the rules. Is because I, I took off the monkey suit that I was wearing for most of the tour, and underneath the monkey suit was shorts and my own shirt, which it's a double whammy. Those are two rules that you do not break. You don't wear fucking shorts on stage, and you don't wear your own shirt unless you're Metallica, the Ramones, or the Misfits. Yeah, but Am I missing anybody? But listen, um, Radke. <laughs> Raggy wears their own shirts? Well, they wear shorts. I don't know about their before, own shirts. Probably, oh, they probably yeah. do. Before, they probably the, do before the zoo tour, the hot item was the Rock and Roll Professionals shirt. When the tour started... After the zoo tour. When the tour started, the hot shirt was the dummy head shirt, the one that you were wearing on stage. Because it's a better shirt. We argued about this before the tour. I said the dummy head one was better. You were into the Rock and Roll Professionals. You were wrong. No. I was I, right. I do think again. that Gabe has a point that if you're if people see you on stage wearing a shirt, that that's a good sales technique. Okay. Be like Scott. So I'm going to wear this new shirt. Yes. No, here's you 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 cut it, cut it as like a muscle tee, or like take the neck off like Aaron <laughs> does, and she she'll cut the shirts off like for for chicks, but we'll cut it for you. Aaron? No, Aaron, uh, the cold mannered girl that cuts all the shirts. You know, that's that's strike three. <laughs> Shorts, your own shirt, uh, cutting off the sleeves to make a muscle oh, yes. tee. That's not going to happen on my watch. Oh, no. <laughs> When's the last time you wore a muscle shirt? I was 11. <laughs> Here's something else. Muscle you know, shirts. when It's a Wonderful Life was first released, it was not a hit. Now look at it. It's all the same thing, obviously. Yeah. That shirt will have its time. How, how was the show? Here's Let's talk about else. the show at the Metro. You want to talk about the show at the Metro? <laughs> I'd be happy to talk about the show at the Metro. I just didn't know if you wanted to talk about the show at the Metro. It was a great show at the Metro. I heard there were some good reviews. I, I heard, uh, what is, what's the band name? Dead Heat? What they're called? Heat Death. Heat Death. You heard good things about Heat Death? I heard good things about them. People like Shiner. They were very nice. They were very sweet. They're good good people. And, and, and Shiner. I didn't get to talk to you about this. I, I heard Ryan left and came back because he had a false alarm with the baby. 
You bought that bit? I don't know. I didn't talk to you. So Ryan left the stage because Anne's pregnant. And so he like, oh, the baby's coming. I've got to go. And then we had our buddy uh, Ronnie DeCola came up and played some songs. And uh, we should get him on here. Maybe we'll get him next week. So he came on. If he's coming on, make sure he wears a dress, for God's sake. Why? Because we need some chicks on this fucking show. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, we were supposed to have a chick on this week. And, and by the way, we were supposed to have a chick on last week, too. This is two weeks in a row that we've been screwed. Because they both read with, the Boston with... Globe article and were like, this is not for us. <laughs> No, no. See, that's the thing. It's not us that don't like women on the show. Women don't want to be on this show. And really, who could blame them? So who have we got on the show today, Gabe? Today, a last minute guest is Jim Rhoda. Is that how you say it? Jim Rhoda, yes. And his resume seems pretty long. I don't know much about him. He's got quite a CV. Quite a what? CV. I don't know what that is. I sp- Just move on. I spent a couple hours listening to his band. What is it called? Hellfire Ministry? Fireball Ministry. Fireball Ministry. Sorry. Fireball Ministry. I liked it. I'm, I'm into yeah, this band. Yeah, it's good. Fireball Ministry. Uh, he's got another band called The Company Band, which is really terrific. Um, he works with Dave Grohl on the Dave Grohl movies, like uh, Sonic Highways and Studio 666. And what was what was the one about the... The, the the music studio oh, yeah. studio everybody city. made their records studio city sound city sound city? sound city sound city sound city oh and he also used to work on pop-up video game i know this would be something that you're excited about i used to watch it like it was uh, very informative back in the day when vh1 rehashed old videos and would put up you know tidbits about each song it was funny it was good and he was doing that he was doing it. The man is a lifer, uh, and so he's on the show. We were supposed to have a friend of ours on the show. She could not be here tonight, and then uh, reached out to Jess Margera to see if he could do the show. He's in the middle of, I don't know, I think he's playing on 80 different bands' records tonight or something like that. So he <laughs> said, well... You know, this guy, Jim Rhoda, he's a friend of mine. He would be great. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, why not? So I texted Jim. Jim texted me. He was like, sure, what time? I'll, I'll be there. And I'm like, wow. I mean, this is not a guy who, who has nothing to do. This is a guy who's, uh, as, as far as people on this show, he's a mover and shaker, right? So it, it's not like this guy needs to be on this show he doesn't need us he doesn't need anything we need stuff from him and so he's going to do that he's going to be on the show and we'll talk about food fighters movies and uh being on bong load records and maybe we can uh, get him to talk about some metal legends that he's been out on tour with good guy it's gonna be it's gonna be fun don't worry gabe you're gonna enjoy yourself did we um did you guys uh, read the latest about Dave Grohl himself? I've seen it. All. I've seen it like three different places today. The big news uh, about making barbecue yes. for people. Yes, that's what he does, man. I didn't know. I didn't know the. I didn't know. He, I, I had no idea. I didn't know that about. Yeah, him. 
maybe we can get uh, Jim to tell us about going to his house for barbecues. I'm sure Jim's been to a few. Uh-oh, what's that? Is it my stomach? <laughs> it's my dog. She's, she's either hungry or needs to go out, one of the two. But yeah, it was a good show. Last week, we, we missed you guys there. We missed you, Gabe. But So we had you there in spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> here's a new subject that we never talked about. Yeah. Okay. I saw on the news today that there's an election in Chicago for mayor. Mm. For mayor. Did you yeah, vote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you vote? I did, of course. Come on. Are you voting for your... Call me an asshole. Are you voting for... Uh, the incumbent? The incumbent. I have not voted for an incumbent in Chicago in a long, long time. Until today? Nope. Oh, you didn't? I did not. You were saying throw the bum out. Yeah. <laughs> I ride by her house on the way to the practice space and... And, uh, you spit. You I spit on her side. Hey, you're you're gonna be out soon. <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what's gonna happen today. I, uh, the turnout was pretty low, so that usually speaks well for the incumbent. Is that is that what it is? I don't ben? know. Chicago politics is kind of strange. There there's a lot of people, and it's gonna take a few days to figure out who's gonna win. But Th- this isn't know, a primary. This is an actual general election. Like uh, the next mayor will be decided for mayor. Today. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Do you have to get 50%? They were going to get a runoff. You have to get 50% of the vote, which you oh, probably won't get. Okay. We're going to get a runoff. Gabe, Gabe is a bit of a political junkie, if people out there don't know. Would you call uh, yourself she's a She's a Democrat, right? Junkie? Did you yeah. vote for a yeah. Republican? Was she running against other Democrats? or? Yeah, she's running against other Democrats. Oh, okay. I was going to hang up on you. I don't think there are Republicans in Chicago. Then maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's what the problem is. We need some Republicans to run. Remember, Republicans fucking crack me up. They're like, they think they can run Chicago. It's like, <laughs> all right, dummy. Come on. Let's see how well you do. You idiot. So let, let, last week's episode, the, the cover. Hey, that turned out good, I thought. Pretty good. Pretty good episode. I, I realized that we missed a lot of covers and um, some pretty major ones. Well, I thought of two f- interesting things that we didn't really talk about on the show, which is that I s- said how much I don't like Beatles covers and yet picked two Beatles covers <laughs> out of my five, right. which is idiotic. And then right. you and I both picked Carpenter's covers. Carpenter's. Is, that right. was the other that was the other strange like, oh, out of Here's all the Here's something bands. I noticed. Yeah. Here's something I noticed. Remember Walking in the Sand has basically got the same chord progression as i've just seen a face really? which also has the same chord progression as help i mean it, it's more pronounced in help but i was listening to i've just seen a face i'm like it's very similar in there too can you get it out an acoustic and show us <laughs> um because i don't i don't hear it in my memory no but i could i could probably play it for you why would that nobody wants to hear you play stuff on your phone go get a guitar and 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 show us how it I don't know how to play that song. Here we go. Right? 
You hear that? Well, you were, what were you just no, saying? No, you don't help? hear that? You were just saying help. Help. Over, remember walking the sand, because it's the same thing. I do I'd hear like that it's got that same descending chord. I need somebody help, not just anybody help. You know, I need someone help. Right? Okay. And, and I've just seen a face has the same thing? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't want to get editing notes this week that's like, can you replace all my phone stuff with the good versions of these songs? <laughs> no, 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 no. My phone stuff sounded good. Gabe's stuff sounded bad. I had you replace Gabe's stuff. Mm, I also, just, I also replaced saying. a bunch of your stuff without telling you. There was no need. It was good when I listened to <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, when you listened to it after I replaced it. What else you guys got? Uh, I want to talk about my unpunk Gabe theme, which most people seem to appreciate. But uh, Cindy Yip over in California said was the worst thing ever. And she wanted to make her own <laughs> instead of listening to that. Gabe, what did you think of unpunk Gabe? I forgot what it sounded like, but it was okay when I turned oh, it Oh, you've forgotten. I listened to it for a couple seconds and I heard it and it was interesting. Well, if you've forgotten, let's go to the bit. Here we go. Unpunk Gabe, unpunk Gabe, unpunk, unpunk, unpunk Gabe. Unpunk, unpunk, unpunk Gabe. Come on, Ben, you didn't write that. Don't even front. How did you find the words to put together and make that mashup? I sung that sang fucking it. thing and then pitched. What the fuck? And then barely pitched, changed my voice. You, that's you singing? <laughs> yeah. You believe in Santa Claus? That was South Park. Uh, thank you. I, I was Play it again. Unpunk Gabe, unpunk Gabe, unpunk, unpunk, unpunk Gabe. Unpunk, unpunk, unpunk Gabe. That's you, it's man. amazing to me that it's amazing to me that that is only nine seconds long because when you play it, it feels like an eternity. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> so that brings us to uh, what's the most unpunk thing Gabe has done this week, Gabe? What's the most unpunk thing you've done this week? You gotta give me more time. You're just putting me on the spot today. How much more time do you want? Time. You had a whole week. I have, I'm not thinking about it though. Come on, there must be something that you did this week that was very unpunk. The most unpunk thing I did this week was I started watching season. <laughs> what? <laughs> I started watching the third season on Netflix of The Outer Banks. You guys don't watch it? The Outer Limits? Outer, Outer Banks. Banks. That's not that. I, yeah, I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever watched it. I've never it's heard of it. It's a good show. It. Oh, I've it's heard of it because you've talked about it in the past. Yeah. I have? Talked about it? No. Gabe has. Yeah, it's like a bunch of teeny boppers that live on the islands off the coast of North Carolina or whatever. Is this a reality Banks. show? No, it's a real life fictional show. I'm, I'm, I would, I'm confused. I would, I would almost call it like the 90210 of the today with a little more action and drama. It, it's pretty good. That's pretty unpunk. Unpunk Gabe, unpunk Gabe, unpunk, unpunk, unpunk Gabe. Okay. Hey, everybody. It's Jim Rota. Jim, how you doing? Hi. I'm doing Thanks. great. 
Thanks for doing this. You, uh, yeah, you saved sorry. our ass. We, ha- we had a guest, and then the guest disappeared, and I reached <laughs> out to Jess, and then he was like, oh, well, I'm busy. And so uh, he threw you into the right. lion's den. This has happened before. Je- you know, Je- I- I've known Jess for a long time. Jess and I had, uh, you know, like a, a band of, basically a band of friends uh, called the Company Band, which was a, you know, a bunch of musicians that were in a bunch of other bands, and we all got together and did two records. So Jess and I, we've been covering each other's butts for a long time at this point. And you're not doing the Company Band anymore? No, we. I mean, it kind of became a little too much to deal like to, to schedule and you know like people at the time we were all in our own bands touring and it was like you know it's already a, as we get you know uh older it gets harder to kind of like schedule all your different lives that you have so it's like yeah you, know, you have this life where you're a musician you have a life where you're a dad you have a life where you're trying to be a husband and it's I don't know. It just gets harder and harder. And that's kind of what happened. So now if you put people in different bands that are in similar situations in the same band, then it's like, well, scheduling time when the kid isn't, kids aren't super busy or scheduling the time, this and Laura, whatever. Looking through your bio, I think it's yeah. safe to say that you seem like somebody who's pretty goddamn successful, but uh, I mean, I, yeah, who knows? I yeah, mean, I mean, <laughs> who knows? You don't, you don't feel that way. You know, I, I'm like Forrest Gump. I just, I get real, you know, I, I, I get real, I'm just lucky. You know, I'm, I'm lucky that I've always just kind of felt like that. Like, I don't, you know, I, I've never been, I wasn't raised to think that anybody deserves anything. So it's like, I always feel lucky that anything that happens to me that's great. I always just feel like, you know, the same stupid kid that grew up in New Jersey, you know, like I, I have that. Why the fuck am I here moment? Like constantly. Right. And that, but yeah, I mean, I've gotten to do a lot of stuff, you know, but you don't have that moment where you feel like they're going to kick down the door and take everything away from you. I mean, you're, you're over that, right? I'm pretty, yeah, I, I'm fairly far away from that, you know, with the exception of, you know, the church, man, I'm just joking. Um, um yeah. They might bust through the door. But that would be because of my behavior. Nothing to right. do with them. Uh, but seriously, yeah, like, I definitely, that I'm thankful for. And, yeah, I mean, people call me to work, and when that stops, that's when I'll be, you know, worried. And you're from Jersey? I thought you were from Cincinnati. Uh, I went to school in Cincinnati. I'm a man of mystery. No, I'm just okay. Most, most people I, who grow up in New Jersey go to school in Cincinnati. It's a, it's a little-known fact. It is kind of a weird thing. It's kind of a thing. There's a lot of like New Jersey people in Ohio. So how did you like, get your start? Was it was it music or was it working in television? I was uh, basically I met I I uh, met a friend when I was in school in Cincinnati, and I was in school in Cincinnati to learn how to edit feature films. And mm-hmm. Cincinnati that now more little known facts. The University of Cincinnati was the first accredited uh, university to buy an avid and actually like offer it as a curriculum thing, which is bizarre that a school in Midwestern, you know, Ohio was that forward thinking. So anyway, I, you know, I, I know this makes me kind of unpopular, but um, I think all, all, 
aspects of working on movies and TV are a trade. Like I really do feel like, edit, you know, there's a, there's a craft to it and there's an art to it, but editing to me and all those things have always been work because I can't work like a normal person. I could, I was like you and you know, like anybody who's been in a van, like an idiot, like, you know, you're not going to get a job and just be the guy that works at the job and he's fine. And he's, you know, getting the gold watch and everything kicks ass. So, you know, I'm just lucky that in my life, I figured out I was that person early. And then when I was going to learn a skill, I learned a skill that was avid or editing. So then I knew I could do something no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened Forrest Gump wise that like, you know, the world turned into this super, you know, media heavy, like, you know, content heavy universe. And now that I'm at the, this point, anyway, you want me to answer your fucking question that you actually asked. So, I met somebody. <laughs> I met somebody in Cincinnati uh, named Emily Burton, and she and I liked the same kind of music. And I'd always, you know, I grew up as a musician playing music. I didn't play sports. I didn't do good in school. That was what I did. So even when I was in college, I still was playing music. Met Emily, wrote a few songs. We moved to New York City together, lived there for a little bit, and then moved out to LA. And we had started a band. Uh, we actually did a demo tape that was just the two of us. I don't know if you know anything about that kind of band, Scott. But um, mm-hmm. so it was just us two. We recorded these songs, and we like again. It was like my first lesson in the hustle, which I'm sure you get too. It's like I've got these songs. I've got this idea. I got to fucking convince some asshole in this town to write a check so that I can let make more people hear my shit. So uh, what we did was we took this cassette of these three songs that we made and we would mail them once a week to all the record labels that we wanted to be on, which were all indies because our band kind of sounds like Black Sabbath. Well, no, it fucking very much sounds like Black Sabbath. So, you know, that's not like a wide market thing, especially in the late 90s. Uh, So anyways, we are sending the tape out every week. I was driving down to Tijuana and finding something in Tijuana that I could put in the packages every week for it to stand out so that when whoever at the label opened it was like, this fucking band again? Oh, look. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a Lucha Vavum action figure or something stupid. We would throw such an all in. Anyways, this was my big getting a record deal plan. So, like, four of the labels told me to stop sending them stuff. And then two of them called. So we went for a meeting, and the one label that, that uh, called us was uh, Bongo Records that put out Mellow Gold and, you know, the first couple Fu Manchu albums. And so we go to this meeting, and uh, fucking, you know, I'm like an idiot 24-year-old kid that knows nothing. And, uh, you know, the owner of the label was like, hey, do you guys – you know, yeah, we can make a record with you guys, but when can we see the band? I'm like, well, it's just me and her. And there's like not really a drummer. So, cause we both just play guitar and I sang. So anyway, long story short, they liked the songs enough that they, you know, allowed us to basically build a band. And then we got to record this record. And then that was it. That was our first record deal. And we moved here in like, in like the end of August. And we had our deal at the end of October. 
was Bongload basically a subsidiary of Capital? Is that what was going on when you were there? <laughs> that was or? like no. That, well, the label had like spun, like broken off to be its own like indie label, but they kept their distribution through them, and then they could. I forget what the deal was, but there was like because the Beck record was obviously like the hugest thing that had happened. And then there was yeah. something in there where like Beck owed Bongload two records. And that one record was uh mutations that came out on Bongload. So it was just like all this weird, like yeah. neb- nebulous, like ball that was moving, you know, around town because, you know, it was like the check came so big and so fast, you know, like the like, all right, So, right. you know, the guy that plays drums, you know, in our band, his, he was actually the GM at Bongload at the time. And the owner was like, Hey, you know, our John, our GM is a great drummer. You should, you should, guys should play with him. And then, and like his worst nightmare happened. Cause it was like, well, now we love that guy and uh, he should be the drummer in the band forever. So anyways, long story short right. on that, he was the one that told me like the, when they got the first Beck check come through the door, like the royalty check, he's like, I didn't even look at it, but I had to go deposit it at the bank. There was no heads up, no nothing. He goes, I walk in there and I hand over this check to the to the person to to deposit. And she's like, he's like, I felt like sirens went off in in the bank. And he was like, everybody had this nervous, weird, nervous energy. And he's like, and I look down and it's a check for like eight hundred thousand dollars, something crazy, <laughs> like something ridiculous. And I was like, that's nuts. But anyway. So that was our that was how I got into the music business.
did I read somewhere that you you were working on a pop-up video? That was that was like okay, <laughs> yes, that's true. So out of school, that was Gabe the loves first, pop-up video. Like, you do? It's like the beginning of Beavers and Butthead. Like that's the the the, the genesis of it, right? It kind of is. We got like we. Got, I remember we got that frog baseball like video. All right, so we well, give me a minute on that. I after school, that was that avid training was that was a that was the job that got me the first show that I got right out of school was was pop up video, and I was living in New York, and Emily was living in New York, and she was working at a design company, and I was working at pop up video, and then. It was after, right after that job that we were like, fuck this. And we went to LA and got a record deal. Um, <laughs> but when I was working at pop-up video, the cool thing about that, well, you want to hear an even crazier thing is, well, I'll tell you that later. Um, okay. So Emily and I, or sorry, pop-up video, we're back. Uh, yeah, that was basically the internet for pop culture before the internet was there. Because right. you couldn't get the, that weird, like, deep dive information on anything at that point. Like, you know, you if you fucking, like, were in a bar and somebody was like, so-and-so sang on blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, they didn't. That was so-and-so. You're like, phone. Answer finished. You know, this was like in the days that you all got, you know, all, we all understand where you're just like, well, somebody's telling you something, but that could be totally bullshit. Like, you have no <laughs> even... Like way of checking any of the information. So that was why pop-up video was popular because it was like, oh, I'm hearing this shit and I'm hearing it from the fucking like makeup person or the, cause that's who that we would interview for that show is like, you know, oh, we'll find out who was hair and makeup on Rio, you know, by Duran Duran, find out who was this, find out who was that. And that's honest to God. That's how they got all that shit. Who threw paint on members of the outfield? What was Tom Cochran doing in a porno movie? How did Madonna help Martika go number one? So you're you're in LA, you're in the band, they're putting you on tour. And uh, some of these bands that you went on tour with, uh, you got to tell me, like, you you go on tour with Dio? Is is that true? Yeah, What was that like? I mean, that, like I I was telling you before, like, I don't, I I don't deserve any of it in my mind. And, like, that, that one was, that was a pretty significant, like, fuck you world. Like, look at this. (laughs) Like, for me, you know, I, he was the. I mean, I don't know if you just saw if you saw the doc that just came out, and I, I think it's on Amazon. It's like fucking yeah. straight up. It's it's straight up emotional, and I make music docs, and that's like my kind of my life, you know, big part of my life now. But that movie was fantastic. And anyway, he was the the coolest fucking human being, and he like, uh, you know, we were on that tour. It was like us and Anthrax and Dio, and then Anthrax left. And it was just us and Dio for like the the whole end of the run. And I remember, like, I'll give you a few Dio highlights, but the like this, you know how like when you're in the opening band, and I mean, at least for our band, it's always been like 
uh, okay, you get, we had the, the like routine. You get there first day of tour and you're going to meet all the people and the stuff and the crew people from the other bands and, and the people in the other bands. And, you know, we always made it a point, at least as there's only four of us. So, and my, our tour manager, he would take us around to meet people. Like, hey, this is blah, 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 mm. you know, guitar tech from this or this is ho ho, this is that. And we always like oh, oh, yeah. just try, oh, whatever the fuck. All those tech guys have crazy names, you know, <laughs> Skeeter and shit. I don't know. But anyways, um, so we would go around and say hi. And uh, it was like, we, you know, but you still keep your, your distance and you're respectful because those, those are the people that took you on this tour. You're the fucking dinglings that are opening. You know, it's like, so, you know. I was on edge because it's fucking, you know, like Dio is going to, could be walking around backstage somewhere. And technically he and I are at the same job now. It's just, he's higher up in the company. And so, but you want to also, you have that moment where you're like, I also don't want to fucking like, I want him to think I'm like, I'm legitimate. Like, but I don't want to tell him I'm a fan, but I love him so fucking much. And I know that you know that. I know you right. know that feeling, and you just get so fucking like, ugh. Anyway, so one night, we're playing at that place, Harpo's, in Detroit, which I'm sure you've played. And, uh, and you know, the stage is like 7 million feet high there. It's like that weird theater. So, anyways, <laughs> the night that we, we we get there, and the the backstage, like, somebody had put wardrobe trunks in our our backstage room, and, you know, again, opening band, shut the fuck up, like, go find somewhere to sit, like, you know, like, you know your place. It's the way to do it, in my yeah. opinion. Still feel that way. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm standing like a fucking lurker with a beer underneath the fucking, like, stairs behind the stage, and guess, <laughs> by chance, my first meeting with fucking, you know, one of my, literally one of the most influential people in my life. I'm just standing there, like lurking under the fucking staircase in the backstage, like, huh? Ah. And he's, and, and I'm, like, I remember he sees me and he's like, "Hey, are you? You're one of the guys in the opening band or something like that, right?" And I'm like, "I'm like, yeah." And he's like, well, "What are you doing under the stairs?" <laughs> he's totally like, "Fuck, what's going on under there or something?" And I was like, "Well, you know, there's not. I'm like, it's not really safe in the neighborhood." And I'm like, "And you know, there's not. Any, we don't have anywhere to go. There's no place for us to go." I'm like, so I'm just kind of hanging out. And he's like, well, he's like, if that happens, use our room. We always, they always throw so much food out at night anyway. And all, you know, the beer and everything, they throw it away at the end of the night. You know, like, yeah, just use our room. And I was just like, (laughs) those, those moments where you just like, the fuck just happened. So I, I go to get my brother. Who's the, he was our tour manager for like 13 years. And I go to get him. I'm like, hey, fucking Dio just told us that we can use it. We can be in this dressing room. My brother's like, uh-huh. So he totally uh-huh. fucking like, <laughs> yeah, he goes to Dio's tour manager. <laughs> like, we're like eight-year-olds fucking running around, you know, underneath the stairs at this point. And, but no, he totally fucking meant it. Like, Dio's tour manager told my, my, you know, my brother. He said, yeah, if it, Ronnie said that, then that's, that's what you do. You, you're right. You don't want to be this fucking nerd but on the other hand why not you know it's like oh i'm dude I, and, you know, and my age i'm now, gonna geek I'm, out I, exactly like tell me the shit that's what you just want to say hey listen just tell me the whole thing i'll, I'll you know 
And if you fucking pass out talking, I'll just put a blanket on you and I'll be waiting for you to wake up. Like, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> I just want to know every. What about Motorhead? Person. Oh, that's a, that's kind of a special thing. I mean, that's not, you know, not special, not to be douchey, but like, uh, yeah, we did a bunch of shows with them. And then I've, uh, I've worked with, you know, um, the Foo Fighters for a long time. Uh, we can get to that after, but. You know, Lemmy was always like a big person, like a big, you know, like energy force and a, and a big, like anybody that was lucky enough to like even, you know, have some kind of relationship with the man. It's like the, everybody would say the same thing where it's like, if you really want the, if you want the true answer, that's who you would ask. Like if you want the truth about whatever the thing is you want to know, if you ask him, he's going to tell you. Plus he knew like every fucking thing about like anything from the 50s and 60s that had to do with music he was like a fucking encyclopedia so it was just fun to like yeah you know like hit him hit him up about shit and be like who the fuck you know who the fuck is so and so like oh is Dwayne eddie bullshit or should i be listening to zabar bob and he'd be like you know like oh well listen you know like how we fucking all are well i love when he talks about the beatles when when, you, so when cool. people would get him talking about you know mono versions of beatles records i'm just yeah. like oh Dude, you could go to his apartment and it would always be like, you know, it, it's like it, all of this, all, everything he did was the most authentic version of it that like you could ever do. And the thing that's fucking crazy, you know, and now that I have my own kid and stuff, it's like, just be that authentic. Like be, you know, try to be so fucking authentic that nobody can ever take anything away from you. Like, and and you know that that guy that Lemmy every day of his life people were telling him he was doing it wrong or it wasn't the right thing to do it. Nobody would listen to that music, you know. Like all Lemmy never got fucking hugged and praised and told he was like an amazing musician and a super talented human being. He was just fucking authentic. So all that shit just came to him. Was he, he was he living around the corner from the Rainbow? Yeah. Well, at the end there, he had like two two apartments. And there was like the nice one, and then there was that one, the oh. one you're talking about, the one you're talking about, the, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. one in the movie with all the stuff and the dirty carpet and shit. Yeah, and then he had gotten like a new place, but yeah, that that apartment, you could go in there, and he would be wearing like a leather speedo and fucking. What was with him and speedos? <laughs> what the fuck? He's European. It's a thing. It's, it's like. <laughs> You know, Amalfi Coast and shit, he's ready. What the, what do you need? <clears throat> that's, I, that's the band I've seen the most in my life, them and the Ramones. And, and, uh, it's like, you know, you get those moments. Like when Dio died too, it was like, like, ah, fuck, that's it. <laughs> like, you know, like, that's it. There's no, like, you're yeah. not fine. You're not getting tickets to that again. Like, you know, you're, you're yeah. only going to be telling people about it now. I went, I saw Ace Frehley last night at the whiskey and it was the same shit. Like I'm standing there. I'm like, mother fucker. That guy is so great. And you're like, but God damn it. This could be the one, like this could be the last time you saw it. I'm going to go see Iggy pop next week. And I'm, you know, I, I hate to think of that, I know, but it's like, this could sucks. be it, you know, it sucks, it sucks. So how did you get into producing the Dave Grohl film projects? Okay. What led to that? So. I don't know if you guys are aware of this thing called Napster. <laughs> I've heard of it. 
back in back in Ot five. Uh, no, but yeah, like, and this is not a this is not a bitter thing. This is not a you know this is not this is my perspective as a person that was in the band at this time in history. Like our band was starting to climb. We were getting the MTV shit. We were getting bigger tours. We were starting to get offers to do like our own tours. And then Napster happened. And like for some bands that didn't fucking matter. Like, you know, the bands that were already making a whole shit ton of money and super successful, it was like, they're, they're okay. They're, they're still up there. And then for everybody, like kind of on the high mid to the low mid, it was like, well, what the fuck do we do now? We're not selling a thing. We have no revenue coming in on budgets that were already very scarce. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't take a huge chunk out of the fucking machine and just expect it to go, you know, to go anywhere. So, right. and that has nothing. I mean, there's a lot of factors and shit, huge amounts of factors, but to me, that was the biggest one where it was just like, like our band never broke up. Our band has changed members, you know, bass players, uh, a few times, but it was never that. So anyway, to answer your actual question, uh, I we can started... talk about Scott Reader instead. I'm, I'm I'm cool with that. Oh, the King, don't you? Yeah, yeah I, I, I'd love to talk about that, dude. Speaking of which, that talk about that fucking fact. Like every fucking time you go to rehearsal, you're just like Jesus, man. <laughs> like. <laughs> Those stupid songs we wrote, or that guy's doing that to it? <laughs> I'll tell him that sitting right here. Uh, yeah. But yeah, dude, that that I'll tell you a funny fucking story about you know. Speaking of the the Dave Grohl stuff, we made this movie uh, a few years ago called Sound City. It was about the studio and Van Nuys out here that you know Nevermind was recorded at, and mm -hmm. all this all these huge records or whatever, and. They did songs with people that had recorded at Sound City for this album that was like a companion. Uh, and it was like, you know, Scott played bass with Corey from Slipknot and uh, Dave playing guitar and then Rick Nielsen playing guitar. So they, had, mm -hmm. they did a song all together. So, and Butch Vig was doing that song that day in the studio. And um, I just, I'll never fucking forget, man. And only because you love Scott so much will you understand the story i could tell you love scott but yeah. um so they roll he rolls in his fucking like you know flight case svt puts it in the fucking in the in the control room and they plug his cabinet in it was out at the Foo fighter studio so they have a big live room and then on the other end there's like a iso smaller room to put his four by you know his eight by ten rather in there and they mic it up and they close it and then they come back into the fucking <laughs> the control room, and Butch is like, "Okay, uh, yeah, well, fire up your amp. Let's let's get a sound." So Scott, like, <laughs> I swear to fucking God, Scott flips his amp on and he dimes his SVT. <laughs> fucking dimes it, right? And fucking he plugs in his bass <laughs> and he stands and he plays like, I remember, I'll never forget it. He plays two fucking notes. And Butch Vig turns around and looks at me and he was like, his face was just like, fuck. And then I remember when Scott left and Butch said something like, now that's a bass player. Or something like that, you know? And it was like two fucking notes. And Butch Vig, who did, you know, Siamese Dream is like, Jesus. Running, barely breathing. 
but yeah, so the, getting back to why I do, the, we do the Dave stuff. Um, it was, you know, you know, literally as organic as, um, uh, it was literally as organic as, Hey, I'm going to buy the console from sound city. And I was like, wow, that's fucking nuts. Cool. I had been working on movies on cruise designing, you know, the architecture for workflow. That's kind of like what I do as a, as a grown up is I get to design, you know, well, since the first file based workflows in features from the avid being, you know, the intermediary between film at that point and, you know, the delivery, it's like, I was, I learned all that, those, you know, uh, concepts in school. So I applied it to this new ever changing, you know, back in the late nineties, early two uh, thousands, you know, digital workflow where you're going to edit in the computer and it's going to be a thing. And you can fucking bet that there were 60 billion people a day telling me how film's never going to go away. Why are you acting like this? And you're like, okay. Uh, Cause people like to make money and eventually when something costs too much to use, they stop using it. So that's why I'm right. thinking this way. I mean, dude, I'm in the TV and film business, you know, now as a professional and i look at people in, in meetings all the time and i'm like listen i've seen how this story ends from the inside it sucks dude i do it all i feel like i have that conversation like 25 times a week it's like warning people about stonewashed jeans i've seen where this I mean, goes exactly it's and it's well nowhere good yeah yeah no not gonna be good hundred percent. But anyways, so yeah, so I had been working on a bunch of features and, you know, I knew Dave because Dave was introduced to me through a guy named Nick Raskulenix who produced, mm. uh, uh, trying to remember the first, I think he, he ended up the first Foo Fighters record he did was one by one. And then he subsequently did a bunch with them after. And at that same time, Nick was producing our second record because Nick had taken our, my, our band's second record on. And I remember it was literally as organic as Nick being like, Dave likes all the same music as us. Cause Nick's like this fucking Knoxville, Tennessee metal guy from the eighties, the like, you know, the, the the Tennessee version of me. And so fucking, yeah. you know, and Dave's, you know, a known metal guy. So anyway, he's like, you gotta come to a barbecue at his place. He was living in like Lake Hollywood at the time or something. And I went over there and I just remember, you know, it was like a rad fucking like white trash barbecue with a bunch of fucking people that like I would have grown up with, you know, it was awesome. Except for that, you know, I'm standing with Dave and like when like Achilles last stand comes on, he's like air drumming every fill. And I'm like, oh, you are, you are the people, you know, you're me. Yeah. You're like, we're the same. I mean, you know, the same, yeah. but the same. And, and yeah, that friendship, like basically that's what came out of that friendship. And I was just like, one day we were, he calls me up and he's like, I bought the fucking console at Sound City. Uh, you want to help me move it? And I'm like, sure. And like a whole bunch of people in the studio and me and a couple other friends went down there and we like filmed the time lapse of it and stuff. And I remember Tom from the studio who owned Sound City came in, old guy, handed Dave this printout that was like that thick. And, and, Tom, and Dave was like, oh, what's this? And, you know, they recorded Nevermind there. And he knew, you know, he knew like Holy Diver was recorded there speaking to Dio all that crazy shit. So 
it's a Tom's like, oh, we compiled a, a list of every single album that was recorded here. And it was so thick that by the time Dave got home after everybody moved the, the console into their studio, the, the bands, like he was like already texting, like, I want to interview everybody from these records and I want to talk to them about recording at Sound City. Like, and then that's how the gen, that's literally how Dave Grohl got into making movies and asked me to help him because he had no fucking idea what it was like to make right. a movie. Were you on set during all those interviews? Oh, yeah. We, we all did. It, it's making stuff with those that like those guys and their organization is like just hanging out with people you love to hang out with. It's like all the stuff is always like we want we need everybody to know each other like on a friend level. And it has to be like a group and a gang and a pack. And then every time we do one of the projects, we kind of try to bring everybody on that's been on before just to have it be fun. And then Dave met John, who's my partner, and they, you know, they became homies. And yeah, it's like that. Like, it's like, oh, this is your guy from when you grew up. Super. He, he should produce with us. He's, that's just like how, you know, we like to operate, like all our friends. I mean, you're a Chicago person. Like, you know, you got to have that vibe. It's that's our Jersey vibe is that, you know, like, yeah, you want the you just want the same idiots around you all the time because then they, they know how to put up with you as much as you know how to put up with them. Right. <laughs> right. So were you here in Chicago for the, the Sonic Highways episode? What, like, what yeah. was that like? That was like the first thing that we shot was the Chicago one. And it was the best one. Yeah. I mean, every, what's cool is that show is so, like, to me it was so special because – like everybody from those different cities loves their city the best, like their show, uh -huh. like, like not everybody, but like most of the time, if you talk to a, an Austin person, they're like, ah, oh, fuck man, that Austin episode. You're like, yes, I've talked to the new Orleans guy who told me the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, but that the Chicago, but I love them all. And it was like, we were lucky enough to be on all those. So like you got to, like the, you know, the magic was all real. It was like, I, I, uh, yeah, like in Chicago, First of all, like you know, getting to talk to somebody like Buddy Guy is ridiculous. Even if you're just in the room and like just you're just like, okay, like it must be weird, you know, Mister Guy, to be sitting in a room with a bunch of people that you basically invented. You know, like <laughs> you know, like yeah. all these musicians in here that just basically are doing a thing that you did first. You know, like. But thanks for letting us ask you questions, sir. Was there anybody that you interviewed for that show that was just kind of, uh, kind of, not dismissive, but a, a little like, what are these guys really up to? Like, I'm trying to think. Suspicious? Well, that's kind of the beauty. It's kind of the beauty of having Dave because he's like, you know, you know, he's like the he has the energy of he has like fun energy all the time. So it's like, you know, plus they, you know, most of the, most of the people we're interviewing like respect him on the, you know, like they have that like peer-to-peer -peer relationship as far as being musicians so it's like you know we, we we tend to get like everybody on their best behavior i guess you could say but yeah i mean like there's <laughs> it, it takes it takes a minute sometimes for people to warm up and you can tell like yeah like you know like what what you know what's this all about kind of thing i'm trying to think if there was anybody in particular you know like willie nelson was a guy where you were like you're gonna have to fucking work to get him comfortable to, to, to talk. He wouldn't do it. We had to do it on his tour bus. And he was, it was at, right after he had played a show, 
So it's like, if you watch the interview, uh, it's like Willie's at the, the table on the bus and Dave's sitting across from him at the table. And uh, you, you've obviously been on fucking tour buses. So it wasn't like, Oh, we'll just fucking build a truss up there to put those seven lights we need. So, you know, you got like camera people and fucking people and people. And then he's totally just like, you know, like, you know how it is. You do the interviews and like the first few answers are just like those short, like four word answers. And you're like, yeah. Um, oh boy. Okay. Yeah. And that it was like time. that. Yeah. You were like, we were building up, but then once it like flows, it flows. But yeah, there's, we've had, you've had, we've been around a bunch of those in life too. <laughs> But not a bad thing. <clears throat> no, it's I, a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I fucking feel like no one's talked but me for an hour. And my wife's no, going to be That's why you're here. <laughs> and mocking me. Gonna do? Like, you're the who guest. the fuck are well, you right. talking well, to? Well, well anyway. here's what I really want to know. How the fuck did you get involved with Walden Entertainment and the Chronicles of Narnia? Oh, well, that... So that movie... Um... That movie was the first, well, the first one, no, I'm lying. The first one I got a fucking job on because on the movie because I knew, this is going to fucking blow your minds, but I knew how to build a fucking rack of DVD burners that would burn, um, that would burn, you know, like the name of the executives on each one. So whoever's watching dailies that day, it was before there was any digital dailies or anything, and they didn't want to send dailies on VHS tapes anymore because, listen, man, we're in the fucking future. There's DVDs now, so settle mm. down with your tape. So <laughs> we had this burner, and we could do, like, you know, you put 12 names of people in there, and you could burn each DVD and, and hand them out. And then once that was, you know, the, I built that in conjunction with this other company, which doesn't sound like much now, but sinking 12 dvd players to burn all at the same time back in the in 2000 whatever uh early early was 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 tough stuff but then they wanted to start doing a lot more with uh managing all the files and the data from those movies because they were starting to realize like we make all this media for the computer to edit this seems like stuff we should probably keep because it's not you know like it's not you know so that was basically like my foray into the into feature films. It was like, well, we have all these technical problems and we have to solve them, but I just want to hire you to be the person who solves that problem for me. And that's what what basically what we became. And then I was, you know, already had the avid knowledge. I already had all that transcoding knowledge and the data management knowledge. So it was just like, this is what I, you know, paid, you know, that's why I got this college education, I guess. But I mean, nowadays it's, it's a lot different, but anyway, moving on the third Narnia movie was shot digital and it was one of the first three movies that shot all digital. There was no film on the movie and there were no standards, no practices and no internet to search on to make that fucking happen. So that, that movie was a magic trick that people don't understand to this day. Like the fact like that now everybody just makes movies that way. It's cr It blows my fucking mind. It's like when I talk about that DVD replicator, I know I sound like a fucking idiot, but like at the time <laughs> that was state like of the art groundbreaking. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And then I just got, I got to do a bunch of fucking movies and keep touring in our band. And, and uh, and uh, I worked at, Disney for a while at the studio 
doing their live action stuff, the technical, you know, technical side of their live action features. And then now I just, I produce music docs and I make music things because I want people to, you know, care about music. And I just want to yeah. keep making the shit like, you know, like Sonic Highways and, and Sound City and, and whatever it is. I don't care. As long as it's like, a story that can inspire fucking any human being to pick up a goddamn musical instrument. I'm in, right? Like, I don't, I don't care what the story, I don't care who the band is or, or who, who the musician is. It's just like, you know, that's all we're here for at this point. You know, my age, right. I feel like, you know, like I'm just here to try to fuck help inspire people instead of making them feel shitty all the time. Like everything else is, you know, give, give, give like people the tools to like express themselves and be awesome. Like, why not? Like, People did that for me in this business. You know, I came out to LA. I didn't know a fucking single person. I knew a dude that I went to grade school with lived out here, and I he let me stay. He let me stay in his house for like two weeks while I found a place. It's like, you know, you come out to this city, and all this city's ever been to me is opportunity. And it was because every time fucking t somebody told me you can't do that, I was like, okay. You know, that was always my answer. It's always going to be my answer. You can't. Okay. Yeah, that's always should be the answer. And just, right. just let the let the conversation end there. Like, all right, right. Then you then you get old and people start asking you things and you say, well, I've already done that so many times that that's not what you should do. And then they go, but I'm going to do that. And then it's the same answer. You say, okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> all right. Anyways, yeah. But, so you still yeah, find make, time to do uh, Fireball Ministry? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, like we all like each other and we're all alive. So it's like, why not? You know, we were doing like two weeks. Like our our schedule pre, you know, world shutdown was, or our, our usual routine was we do Europe. We do two weeks in Europe and we do two weeks in the States every year. And we like try to go to the places that like care about us being there. You know, and it was always mm -hmm. awesome. We could go. It's like hanging out with your best friends and you get to be stupid and, you know, you hope you get a main support, you know, slot so you can be in bed by midnight, you know, like that, kind of, you know, like the real rock shit, Scott, the real yeah, shit. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. The real version. No, but yeah, no, it's like, you know, yeah, like I said, it's like we all, you know, we all love each other. So we're never going to not put, you know, like as long as we're all to, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, around to do it, we're going to do it. So Gabe... Which way do you think this question's going to go? I think I have a pretty good idea. Gabe has a question uh, that he asks everybody. That's uh, I, I don't know. know. I have a feeling we're going to get an argument about the. I don't know. Right. No, Gabe, this they're is... all fucking building you up to be such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in, you're all in Chicago or no? Hell no. No, I'm in Chicago. Gabe is uh, in Florida, as you probably figured out by now. <laughs> And uh, Ben is in Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, right on. That's that's Butch Vig territory. Yeah, home yep. of Smart Studios, Butch Vig. Butch is one of those people that's just like, to me, he's just like a magic guy. Like, he's just mm -hmm. got that, like, the nicest human being energy, like, ever. He's so fucking cool. Love that guy. We have a running question. We asked all the guests. Between two bands, you had to choose one that you had to pick and the other you, you couldn't ever listen to again. 
Pick, the, oh, pick but your this favorite. This question changes. He's always, he's always change fucking changing the question. It's the same yeah. question, but... I like this. I like this version. Yes, you can only listen to one. One band you can listen to and the other band never again. Yes. The two bands are... So, but is it like... Wait, it's like a desert island yeah, type desert of thing. I'm going to give you a choice and you have to pick one. Yes, between okay. The Replacements or Iron Maiden. So... One more time, tell me what the, what what I'm supposed to tell you again. <laughs> Just pick one I'm of those bands. <laughs> pick which band that I love. Couldn't live without. Hand you, hand. You, you have a, you have to make a choice between two bands: Iron Maiden. You have room for one in your collection; the other you don't have fucking, any room for. I, I, clearly, Iron Maiden. I'm not gonna pretend to be cool like fucking. All right. No. <laughs> you hear that, Ben? Look at this room. Look he at says this room. it would be cool to like the replacements, and then he's not gonna pretend. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I got it. Most people pretend You'd rather not. be dead than cool. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I mean, Iron Maiden is like you get so much. You get you get you know history. You get stories. <laughs> you get like fucking literary works, like you know fucking Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. You get you learn so- about Coleridge. You're not learning about Coleridge from the replacements. I'm fucking saying. <laughs> uh, no, I like that question. I could do that like a lot. That's, that's like a great like seven of those in a row is a good that's a good thing to think about. <laughs> anyway, good answer. Thanks. Uh oh, Gabe's got something. Gonna come back with like one of those scary fucking masks or something. Does Gabe have like, Christmas lights or branches? Those are Christmas lights, right? Oh, okay. Right, Ben. Yes, those are Christmas lights. <laughs> Uh, or or barbed barb wire lights, one or the other. I don't if he know. comes back with a ball gag in his mouth, I'm gonna freak out. Then I love. Then this is like my new favorite show ever. Like that, <laughs> if that happens, then yeah. It's this actually is- starting to get scary. He's been gone long enough. Oh wait, actually, oh oh, here we go. <sighs> oh, I'm just. I had to quiet the dog a little bit. She was a little riled up. You killed your dog. I quieted her down. I gave her a treat. <laughs> She might have to go out. Whatever. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> well, Jim, thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming through. No, I had fun. I mean, is this what your show's normally like? Some fucking old person talks for a million hours while you guys like can't get a word in edgewise? That's yes. uh, pretty much it. We we want to know how you feel, you know, about, you know, being a lifer and, you know, you tell us stories about hiding I under stairs. It happens. I, I, I do want to just say one last thing is that, you know, like, our business, and I, you know, I say that collectively with you guys, is, is it's like there's no like, and I'm not saying this in a in a shitty way or a Harvey Weinstein way or a terrible way, but there's no rules to this business. Like anybody who fucking tries to tell you that there's a way to do it and a way to be it in the way like that, there's like this. It's basically the only secret is if you already have talent. Just be somebody that people want to be around. Like, mm. that's the whole fucking trick. Like, I can't tell you how to be talented, and I can't tell you how to be amazing at uh, doing a thing, but I just can't. It's like, if you are, if somebody's told you enough times that you're amazing at something, not your mom telling you you're a good singer, it's like, chances are, if you're just a good hang, people are going to always want to help you out. And fuck it, man. I love L.A. No. <laughs> <laughs>
So what do you do? No, no TV, like no no podcast bullshit. But how much how much are you on the on the road now? Like what what's your schedule like? Um, it's still pretty pretty extensive touring, but uh, you know, like since COVID, it's it's it was it was weird. It's been pretty tough because you know, yeah. like we were also one of the first people to sort of go back out, almost like a canary in the coal mine type of thing. Yeah, and that was weird. I mean, I'm glad I did it because it was certainly an experience and something that uh, you know was interesting. We were to making see. we were making this uh, horror movie with the Foo Fighters, right? And and we got shut down with a week left of principal photography to shoot, and uh-huh. then we had to come back in October to finish it. And it was like that. We were the first show back in L.A. shooting, and like I, you know, I've been doing production stuff and producing for quite a few years now and i'll tell you i've never been bent over so hard by people because there was no fucking regulation going on on what it meant for covid protocols or anything and they we like everybody was just getting so overcharged for shit and you know obviously shit that you realize like after the fact but like you know it was good that some of those precautions were in place but other shit where you were like man I just handed you, I just printed money for you just to hand it over. So it was hard. Well, I mean, like what, you, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what people are charging now for anything, it's immoral. I mean, yeah. like how much ticket prices are going for, for concerts? Like this isn't right. You, you don't do this to no. people. No, not anymore. It's not, we're not there anymore. Like fucking, yeah. Gotta stop making uh, blues lawyer guitars and everybody's got to stop driving up the fucking cost of instruments that don't even play the goddamn things. I'm going to fucking get on my goddamn porch right now, man. You fucking go buy That's a guitar good. for, for $300,000 and you don't play it. What the fuck is wrong? It's not a baseball <laughs> card. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? Anyways. No, it's terrible. It's horrible. But that's cool. I'm, I love, but you guys had songs like you guys, I mean, <laughs> obviously like that's a whole different game, different ball game. Like, you know, uh, yeah, you, you actually make a real living doing that. Uh, yeah. It's not, <laughs> not, 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 not so much for a band whose sound wasn't popular when it came out. <laughs> you know, that thing where you're like, I love this kind of music. So I either have to th- figure out that I'm going to play this kind of music or I'm going to play music that people will actually enjoy. And I, sometimes I feel like I only played the music that I love to listen to. No, but that's, that's, the, that's the kind of stuff that never goes out of style. That's the, that's the kind of like, you know, like, would you rather be, who would you rather have in your audience? A bunch of fucking nerds who are going to square up and down about that kind of music, you know? Oh, you're totally right. I, yeah. It's true. It's just, you know, it is, I, I mean, I've felt, and again, like I'm just, now I'm just talking to you, but, uh, I, I feel like, you know, th- you can be an amazing songwriter and you can be an amazing musician. You can be, have an amazing band, but like, if it's just not what the world is looking for at that moment, like there's just something about it that like, if you're going to have a hit on the fucking radio, the world was looking for your shit. Like that's just how that, you know what I mean? That's how that works out. It's like, they, 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 they didn't know they needed it, but they needed it. You know, it's like when you heard teen spirit, like for the first time, you're like, this doesn't sound like anything, but man, this sounds like something I should be listening to, you know, like, right, that, right. like how do you make that happen? Like people who get that make that happen at that level are the people that like, I will never talk shit on. Like if you can fucking write 
you get one hit song out of your whole life like that's like you fucking did the impossible thing you know yeah maybe i don't know i don't, don't know i've seen a lot of bands don't. with one hit and they are they're horrible and nobody's at the show you know yeah but you've done it a few times so you can't like you you know you, you you've accomplished that that thing and that's like that to me, you know, and from my perspective of it all, it's like even with making movies, you know, your job, you're trying to like make a shit ton of people feel the same thing that at the same time, you know, you're trying to get this, that get the same amount of empathy out of like a bajillion people as you are out of two. And like being able to do that with a song, that's impressive. Like I can make a, a story about two people falling in love and then one of them dies and then it's really sad at the end and everybody's going to cry and be like, oh, that was so beautiful. But like, you know, you fucking write Highway to Hell and you get everybody's fucking arm in the air like that. You're like, how the fuck did you do that? Like, that's a magic right. trick. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's very... I don't know how those guys... Yeah, but you do, you've done that. You know, that's... that's not thing. that. I've not done that. There's no not fucking that. way I've done that. I know I haven't done that. But still, somebody hears your song. You'd be very nice, but I have not done that. Well, maybe not ACDC, but you've at least, you know, like a lot of people were super stoked. Like, I, I still go see bands that, you know, like I, I saw the Toadies a little bit ago. And it was like, yep, I went to I went to the show. The show was sold out. And, you know, I wasn't the hugest Toadies fan when they were happening. But I was stoked to be at the show because everybody in the fucking crowd was stoked. Like every person that yeah. bought a ticket to that show was amped as fuck and you're like yeah rad 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 everybody be like that i know i sound like yeah. a fucking topanga fucking california hippie man now but i'm sorry no i mean it's 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 refreshing i i enjoy it yeah thank you no, we got do you guys have kids this is obligatory i gotta do that I, I, that ben shit. does Ben, that's the thing that's changed my whole fucking like that's what changed the whole trajectory right like in my whole life was just like oh, okay well now i now i see what i gotta do for them because somebody did that for me like with this music shit and the, and the movie stuff it's like anybody's friend who's like oh my kid wants to bubble bomb like just fuck him. the only thing you need to tell your kid from now on is you can do that like if i tell them ultimately if i can figure out a life like this you know, like you can do this too. And that's all I do now is try to help people do that shit. Anyways, you guys are fucking awesome. And thanks for listening to me fucking ramble. We didn't give in to my health. Thanks stuff. for doing that's this. The most exciting. You're welcome. Your health I'm, stuff. Yeah. Your health. Okay. Yeah, no, no. It's been, <laughs> it's been a wild ride guys. I don't know. Uh, Gabe, I don't know if you noticed what I looked like before when you were looking up our band. I looked at the pictures of you. It looked nothing like it. I'm like, hold on. I got the wrong guy here. You don't. <laughs> but that guy had a lot of fun. That <laughs> other guy that you were looking at, he had a great fucking time, Gabe. But anyway, that's all. I'm just talking about that. No, it's all, we're all good now, guys. I'm kidding. <laughs> My wife is outside the door right now laughing at your guys' pain. <laughs> Anyways. 